With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome back, everybody. It's the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Reality Sports Online. I'm your host, Scott Fogman, and I'm joined, as always, by Pat Fitzmorris at FitzFF on the Twitter. And we got a special guest in here to talk about wide receivers and tight ends in the draft. It is Thor Nystrom from NBC Sports Edge. You can find him at ThorKU. Before we dive in and do this, I got to tell you guys uh, about a couple things that we are offering right now. We've got the Dynasty Rookie uh, Draft Kit out right now. So with the NFL Draft coming up, I want to tell you about this kit. You can find it at fantasypros.com slash rookie. We've got Dynasty Rankings, Trade Advice, Startup, and Rookie Draft Strategy Articles, Prospect and Veteran Profiles, Mock Drafts, and the latest news. Some of the content is free, but if you want to get the most out of the Draft Kit, you have to be a subscriber. Go premium today. If you haven't already, head to our Dynasty Rookie Draft Kit at fantasypros.com slash rookie. Also, we've got a new contest for April. It is a DK Metcalf autographed jersey, which, look, if he gets traded in the draft, could be a collector's item here. So uh, make sure you're getting on it. All you got to do to enter for that is go to YouTube.com slash Fantasy Pros, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and take a screenshot of that. Submit it at FantasyPros.com slash Dynasty Contest. And that ends at the end of April, so get in as soon as you possibly can and do it. Pat, what what is your weekend like? We've had... A lot of baseball going on right now, obviously, with opening day. We had a lot of rookie draft uh, kit things we had to get done. So you and I were communicating a lot this weekend. Bogman, you didn't put a comp in for this guy. Bogman, let's get a comp here. So uh, a lot of that. But how how was your weekend, my friend? It was good, Bogman, and it involved a lot of college basketball, including a uh, classic Duke-North Carolina game on Saturday night. And then, uh, you know, it's extended into Monday which is why I'm kind of excited to have Thor on. Like, it's not often you can bring in a Kansas University grad right after a national championship. So uh, I'm pretty fired up about that. And Thor looks pretty good. So he might have kept the Malort shots to a minimum last oh, night after the uh, the title. And I mean, I can't – Thor, I got to know, like, what were you thinking when it was a 15-point deficit at halftime? Um. There was, let's just say my BAC at that time was very high. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, you know, like I, I didn't, I, I try, you know, like you get the nerves before a title, you know, your team's in a title game, you get the nerves, but like, you know, I, I was working all the way up till the game. So it's not like I, I started earlier, had an all day sort of party, right, but then right. I, I, I had guys over and, you know, you, you're enjoying the, a drink at the beginning and, and Kansas jumped out to a seven to nothing lead. And I think the first time there was a TV timeout, it was nine to three. So I was, was feeling all right. But, um, then Kansas played like the worst 15 minutes plus stretch that they have literally the entire season. And like all these bunnies weren't going in and, and then North Carolina couldn't miss for a while. And all of a sudden the empties were just started to populate around my feet, you know, and like I was starting to get bitter, you know, like I'm, I'm a Minnesota sports <laughs> fan, you know, I'm coming to you guys from Minneapolis. So that the, the bitterness and the stoicism and the skepticism of my sports teams, like it's just, it was, it was ingrained in, into me as a child, like, a, you know, a Vikings fan and a, a twins fan and this sort of stuff. So I'm always just sort of bracing myself to get my nuts kicked. And so that, like I said, the, 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 the bitterness had definitely descended by halftime, but, uh, Luckily, Kansas was able to snap out of it. And luckily for my guests as well, that Kansas was able to snap out of it in the second half and uh, ended up having a really fun night. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, uh, far be it from me to give a bunch of, uh, you know, accolades to Kansas. I was We were talking about this before the show. I'm a Texas fan, uh, obviously, Thor, a KU gr uh, grad. <laughs> and um, Kansas came in and beat my Longhorns in Austin. First game I went to in 27 years on the 40 acres and Kansas comes in and wins their first ever game uh, against Texas. I mean, look, the story's better with Kansas winning that game than, you know, Texas winning by 30, like they usually do. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take it, but congrats Thor. Uh, also a big shout out to you for not being uh, completely hung over to do this show. So <laughs> like you said, putting it away and uh, getting up for work the next day, that's an American right there. God bless you. So, uh, we are going to talk about some of these wide receivers and tight ends today, and you've got uh, a bunch of scouting profiles coming out, and I believe you were saying uh, before your wide receiver rankings are coming out this week, right? Later this week, yeah. Yeah, so it's it, it's, it's <laughs> exciting because, like, you know, earlier in the draft process, like, you know, I'm, I'm certainly involved in the dialogue on Twitter and stuff like that, but, um, you know, some people have their their rankings out earlier, and it's it's hard to sort of speak to that or or – you know, start to, to overtly disagree with some guys' rankings when yours aren't out there yet. And you don't want to sort of let the cat out of the bag all the way. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, my, my draft crushes tend to be, you know, I tend to wear them on my sleeve, so I can't do it all the way, but um, it's, it's, it's definitely fun to get the rankings out and then sort of enter that, that broader conversation about, you know, where guys should go and then who I'm way higher on or way lower than you know, in, in comparison to the consensus. So let's dive in. And, you know, the top five wide receivers by most people's metrics, this is the group at the top would be Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, Drake London, Chris Olave, right? Dotson kind of comes in and out of that Pickens, Watson kind of come in and out of that group there. So is that, is that group kind of how you see it, the top five, is there anyone that you don't agree that goes in there? Is there anyone that stands out? And is there anybody else that needs to go in there uh, uh, in this group of the top five? Um, without giving too much away uh, there, I, I could have another entrant into the the top five. I, I, okay. think, I think there's a, it's at least worthy of having uh, the conversation about them. And it's not Jahan Dotson, the guy that, that you would have thought initially, although I, I do like Jahan Dotson. Um, he's a better prospect than KJ Hamler, certainly coming out of the same oh, offense. Yeah. 
it's it's Christian Watson. I like yeah. at, at at this point, Christian. You know, I've I've said this, but like he's knocking on the door of round one, and by definition, he is knocking on the door of the top five receivers. He he's right there. I mean, like you talk about a dominant pre-draft process. Yeah. Goes, goes to the senior ball and anyone that didn't have exposure on Christian Watson, I'm beforehand, I'm not going to name names on that account, but he certainly knocked their socks off. And it wasn't just that. Um, I, I, I think I was, you know, I, I don't want to say a full convert cause I was definitely too low on him c- compared to where he, he's going to end up coming in. But I knew of the, the core strengths of his game pretty well. Cause I'd, I'd scouted Trey Lance close. Um, and I live pretty close to Fargo. So I, you know, whenever, uh, and I don't watch their regular season games because I'm covering the FBS, but when um, NDSU starts to do their, their playoff runs, which they do every single year, I'll watch their games live. And Trey Lance was, he, he opened, like he, he was a, an awesome FCS player to watch um, for obvious reason. We talked about him a lot last year, but every time on the receiving end of all those bombs that he threw, it was always Christian Watson. Yeah. <laughs> so even people that don't think that they've watched Christian Watson tape before, you actually have. You've seen yeah. <laughs> plenty of his long, long touchdowns. But he went to Mobile and he proved that he could do one of the things that we didn't see as much on the tape, which was running a full route tree and specifically winning in the intermediate area of the field. It, and the issues offense just didn't feature as many of those throws and routes. Like as a matter of course, it was more the the vertical passing game and then sort of that dynamic running game that included both, you know, the, the, obviously the running backs and then the the quarterback these past few years with Lance with the dual threat element, but they would also do all these cool things with Watson, as far as the end around game, or even bringing them into the backfield and, and giving them like Debo Samuel type handoffs. Um, the other cool thing that we saw in, in, in mobile that we had seen on tape as well was he's just a dogged blocker. Like every single play he gives, he gives such good effort and any issue that the entire offensive scheme that if, if you're on the field there, not just offensive lineman, you have to block. And and he's one of the better blockers in this class as well. And I haven't even mentioned the fact that he's six four two ten. And yeah. Runs, runs like board. a deer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing that jumps off the tape most. It's that that downfield utility, you know, and, and like I say, you've seen some of that on, on the Lance film. Lance could not overthrow Christian Watson. I, I Malik Willis can try, but I, I don't know if even him or Josh, <laughs> Josh Allen can. So I, I, I think he's on on the doorstep at this point. So that that would be the one other entrant I would toss in. I mean, the dream, Pat, would be Christian Watson goes to replace Tyreek Hill in Kansas City. Like, I, I think that would be the absolute dream, right? I mean, uh, how how high does he go in, in a redraft if he goes to Kansas City? Right. Um, very high. I mean, very- well, I mean <laughs> in, in redraft, like if we're talking yes. rookie dynasty drafts, like in he's certainly a first rounder, even in yeah. super flex drafts. In redraft, I mean, I think that would certainly put him in the at least wide receiver three conversation and dynasty you got to push him up i mean i wouldn't be shocked if he goes to kansas city and and the other landing spots are kind of you know no one else has that leap uh team that just oh my god look at this scenario i think christian watson would be in play for the number one wideout in in fantasy drafts uh in in dynasty drafts because he's you know I think the thing, it's the exact thing that Thor just mentioned, right? It's the, okay, you've seen him do it at, at NDSU, right? So you go, okay, well, this guy is great. Is he great at the FCS level or is he a great wide receiver? And he goes to Mobile and he's the best guy of the bunch there. Uh, and no one uh, for wide receivers outside of maybe Kyle Phillips, you know, boosted their draft stock more that week than um, 
than Christian Watson. And obviously Phillips was at uh, the uh, Shrine game, uh, but Shrine Bowl. But, I mean, Watson, like you said, Thor, just uh, tons of upside. Where would you put him in terms of dynasty if he landed in a place like Kansas City? So one point I was going to make about that, and you guys are the, the fantasy experts, but th- there was one other, uh, th- like, the, there's you have sort of those ideal places like like Kansas City that 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 make, you know, intuitive sense, right? Because of the, the amount of balls being put up in the air, you're playing with an awesome quarterback, and then you have all the, these vacated touches. Uh, but I want to make one other point where I, I think there's there's – sort of less, um, how would you say, less attractive on the surface situations that will also lead to potentially immediate uh, fantasy utility out of Christian Chicago, Watson. yeah. Sh- Chicago would be one for sure. Green Bay. He, he would be a perfect complement for Mooney on the other. Like, you couldn't you couldn't get any better than that. But but one of them going even lower than that is Houston. If, yeah. if, Houston, if Houston, first of all, if they trade Brandon Cooks, by definition, uh, Watson Dude, would be their, their, their number, one, yeah. number one receiver immediately he might even be with Brandon cooks on the roster. And, you know, as you guys know, they're, they're always down. They are every year. So, <laughs> you know, there's going to be plenty of balls put in the air. Davis Mills is, he's at least a decent pocket passer, not much of a fantasy player, but he can at least, you know, th- throw the ball a little bit and he Don't should be able to get that. the, get, get the ball downfield to Watson. The other thing is that, that I was thinking about as far as um, specifically a team like uh, Houston, um, the, the, the stuff he can do as a runner and out of the backfield, you know, b- again, both in the end around game, but then also bring him into the backfield. If, if you want to do that, a team like Houston might give him a ton of extra touches just as, as a runner, just because their ground game is so abysmal <laughs> and they're trying to do anything they can to help out yeah. their, you know, their, the, the quarterback that's now going to be, you know, starting for the full season, the, the, the young kid. So they could squeeze extra utility out of Watson by doing that. And you start to think about just how many touches Watson could get. If for instance, he gets drafted by, by Houston, let, let's say he falls to the 37th pick. I don't see him going much later than that. Yeah. Let's, let, let's say he's there and Houston didn't take a wide receiver in the first round, he would make a world of sense, and he's going to get a ton of catches in year one, I think. Uh, now, Pat, do you have any more uh, of this top tier? You, you want to ask Thor about any of these guys from the top tier? Yeah, um, I'm curious, Thor. Jahan Dotson and Chris Olave, like, I, it sounds like you maybe question whether Dotson belongs kind of near that tier, but, like, in, in some ways, his game reminds me a lot of Olave's. Like, what do you see as being maybe the gap there, like what are the differences between those two guys? What can't Dotson do that Olave can? It's, it's with, with Olave, there's an elevated understanding, I think of leverage and route running. Like that's what he's really good at. I don't think that Dotson and, and by the way, a part of this is not Dotson's fault. Uh, Dotson sort of like, you have the thing of like, it, it wasn't quite as bad, but like the thing that happened to, I mean, this happens to a lot of college players like, uh, uh, LaVisca Chanel, Rondale Moore, uh, uh, Traylon Burks is another guy where this was in, in this class. I, I, Trey McBride would be an example of, of a tight end where they're, you know, such uh, singularly better than every other skill guy on that team that that their team invariably just finds ways to force them the ball in ways that sometimes don't help their development in some ways might even hurt it a bit. You know, like that's why Burks, you know, even though he projects as an outside uh, starter in the NFL, that, you know, some people, you know, like the, the raw element, it's because they didn't line him up there all the time. You know, he, he lined up there like 50% of the time or less. Cause he was, you know, th- they would have him, you know, all over the place in the slot in the back, you know, all, all this different stuff um, with Dotson. It was more, 
you I mean, a couple different things. First of all, Penn State's offensive line struggled the last couple of years. Their running backs were way down. I mean, in, in part because of the offensive line, but Penn State really struggled to run the ball the last couple of years. And then their quarterback, Clifford, like he's one of them, uh, you know, he's, he's like a poor man's Trace McSorley. Sort of like, you know, he's, you know, a poor man's Ian Buck or something like that. Like he's just a little noodle armed uh, scrambler. And so he couldn't do much of stuff downfield. So like basically like Dotson had a lot of manufactured touches. He also had a ton of touches that occurred within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage sort of on quick hitters. And, and the, the, the plus aspect about his game is he, he's, he's very kinetic and very twitchy as, as an athlete. Um, and so you try to get him the ball and then just have him sort of like, evade defenders like it becomes a high speed you know car chase or whatever he's got agility and then he certainly got the 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 long speed for it with Olave it was what you got to see over his three years because he got I mean he had all sorts of targets for you know three years at the top of what was a stacked uh, wide receiver depth chart at Ohio State it wasn't just uh, Garrett Wilson it wasn't just Jackson Smith and Jigba who will be the first wide receiver taken next April <laughs> guarantee you that um, but it was also Jamison Williams Jamison Williams had to transfer to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, so that he could get on the field and, and get targets because of how ridiculous that receiving core, core was. And Olave was just really advanced with the footwork, the releases off the line, and then the route running. You so rarely see guys uh, up close on him. He just sort of naturally, like, j- just as a matter of course, is like, like natural, like breathing creates separation on his routes. Um, that's, that's his special sauce and he, he's better at it than, you know, it's, it's no slight on Dotson. Like I said, situationally Dotson was at a disadvantage because the offense just had to force feed him the ball within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage quickly. Um, but, but Olave, he, he damn near the top of the class in, in terms of the route running. Uh, I mean, great, great info there. I want to talk about the second tier, uh, real quick, Thor. And we've got guys like, you know, Sky Moore is getting a lot of buzz right now. A lot of people didn't watch him at Western Michigan. They're, they're turning on the tape now and going, wow. Uh, you know, bet, better than D. Eskridge, a lot of people are saying. Another guy out of Western Michigan. Uh, we just talked about Dotson a little bit. John Mechie, who's coming off the injury for Bama. Uh, Pickens, who had some off-the-field stuff, but always performed when he was on the field. Uh, I love Jalen Tolbert. Khalil Shakir is a guy that's gotten a lot of buzz. David Bell was a big-time producer at Purdue. Calvin Austin, Justin Ross. Is there anyone that stands above this group of potential day two wide receivers for you that you like? Is there anyone that people are too hyped on and, and you want to, you want to go after that? Like you said, you can't argue if your rankings aren't out there, but, but you can talk down on someone if you want. Is there anyone that stands uh, out to you up or down on this list? Yeah. So, you know, one, one sort of uh, macro point that I make, but before the micro ones is, this, you know, some people have been a little bit down on, on this receiver class. I, I saw uh, another a tweet from someone that I, I very much respect today that, you know, he was saying that the receiver class is a little down. And I, I think sort of like the, the discussion with the quarterback class, th- what that is, I think it's specific, specifically speaking to the, the very, very top of the class, right, is, is down in comparison to uh, recent years, like the very, very top ones. But this, this, uh, and another similarity with the quarterback class is this, this receiver class, I think is very deep in those secondary tiers that are going to get picked on day two and why that should interest people in contrast to the quarterback position where you so very rarely see bonanza lottery tickets purchased on day two, you right. don't see an enormous hit rate. And, and on the guys that do, it's more that they're, 
you know, they, they have a chance to become like a league average or slightly below, like a Davis Mills, right? Right. But 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 right. way more often you get the the burned picks. Like it, it already seems like both Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond are are burned picks, and that that wasn't you know um, not a huge surprise on 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 that account. But receivers, there's there's an enormous contrast to that. Uh, day two wide receivers hit all the time. I mean, yeah. especially in round two, that's like the breeding ground for for awesome receivers that you can get on a discount, you just sort of like the NFL consistently makes of evaluation mistakes on these guys. And so there's going to be really good ones that filter down. It's just about picking the correct one and maybe not, uh, you know, for instance, Dwayne Eskridge or Tutu Atwell to use last <laughs> season as an example. That's why the Rams don't have any picks. They're not good with them anyway. So just trade them, you know, uh, exactly. but who stands out in this second day group? Um, so the, the specific guys that like, I, I like sky more for sure. Um, you yeah. know, er, earlier on, you know, a month and a half ago or so, I, I would have said that, you know, he, he was one of my favorite sleepers in the class, but nobody's sleeping on him anymore. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, he is going to go on, on day two for sure. I, I don't think he gets into round one, but I, I do think he's going on day two The the, the one, so he made himself a lot of money testing because the one thing that he had to prove was that he was an upper echelon athlete. He, he didn't have to like, you know, test like uh Tutu Atwell or, or, you know, Eskridge or like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a requirement, but he just, he just had to prove that he was uh, athletic enough to be able to win out of the, the slot. And he way more than did that. Like he, he tested, I, I think better than anyone thought he was going to. Um, so then the interesting part about his evaluation becomes, even though his projection in the NFL for sure is, is to the slot, like directly into the slot, that's what he's going to play at the next level. Western Michigan played him outside a lot like that's what he was predominantly now they they played him out of the slot some too but he was predominantly uh in in an outside receiver and, and and their best receiver for Caleb Ellaby um the the cool thing about that one thing that we got to see um him consistently prove that he could do is for a smaller receiver right like a, like his uh let me pull up his his measurements from the process um five five nine and one eighth and, and 195 pounds so so on on the smaller side as far as uh that goes he gets off the line as good as anyone in the class because his footwork is so damn good um he, he has an like a wide assortment for for cornerbacks so it's hard to even guess on him like patrick sertan in the last class was a guy who was like you know would just ravenously study the tape and then he could like had a good sense for like you know what guys were going to do even off of the line but like Sky Moore is like a pitcher that has eight or nine pitches and they're all really good. So it's, <laughs> so it's sort of hard to sit on anything. Um, it was difficult for guys to jam him. Now, you know, you were in the, you were in the Mac, right? I mean, you yeah. were, you were drawing their number one cornerback, but it was, you know, it's an outside cornerback in, 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 in the Mac. You knew that he had the footwork, you know, that he's going to be able to get off the line no matter what, even in the NFL, it was just, did, did he, you know, did he have that athletic profile where you could sort of start to project him as always oh, going to be an upper tier, you know, top 10, maybe even top five NFL slot. And that's what the athletic testing did. So he, he is confined to a slot, even though he played at Western Michigan outside, he, he going inside, but I think he's going to be a damn good slot. And, and, and I think round two is where you're going to see Sky Moore go. All right. I got to tell you about Reality Sports Online. And by now, most of you have already heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go and see what all the buzz in the IDC community is about free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first round rookie options automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated? It's 
not the best thing about Reality Sports Online front office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. Uh, it just requires more strategy. That is it. Uh, think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, test your metal on this platform. Still not sure? You can test your general manager skills for free, FRWE, in a mock free agency auction right now. If you like what you see, use the promo code FANTASYPROS to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at Reality Sports Online. Now, Thor. But that actually sounds dope. I, I yeah. It actually Have you ever like, played in a league like that? They're fun, dude. We we need to get one going. We'll get yeah. one going for sure. I, I would I would love I would love to. I I believe that uh, the site. So I you know I got to check that one out. I I play. I, I love the the you know the the ability to construct the rosters and the and the stuff like. I play like both the the ridiculous dynasty versions of this and then but like the also on on this other website the computer. Um, simulation where you're putting oh, a simulation one yeah, yeah ex 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 so like um, on both ends of it I, I just like the extra you know added dimension of like putting roster the roster construction with constraints it, it, that that's like how i came up playing fantasy dude my first like keeper league i had offensive linemen and punters and contracts <laughs> and rfas and free agents it was crazy so uh th those platforms are always fun in reality sports uh, obviously offers a great one uh, Pat, who do you want to ask Thor about in this second group? Because it's hard to pick. I like all of these guys, you know, and I feel like I get a little too Pollyanna uh, on prospects when, when when they're coming out. I'm like, okay, I like this. I like that. Well, who do you not like? I'm like, well, I mean, they're all pretty decent. Uh, but is there a guy that stands out that you want to ask Thor about? Yeah, well, we talked about uh, Thor's Kansas loyalty, but I know Thor's also got some loyalty to Iowa. And um, back when Iowa was riding high and undefeated, uh, David Bell pretty much came into Iowa City and just laid waste to the Hawkeyes. <laughs> 11 catches, 240 yards and a touchdown. Did you have to uh, remind me, Pat? That sorry about that, day. Thor. Uh, you know, but like, you know, don't don't He's feel cooking people. Don't feel picked on by David Bell because he pretty much had the same game against Michigan State later in the season, too. Um, like route running, footwork, like there's a lot going on for David Bell, but his testing was just kind of disastrous. Uh, not just the speed, but like eighth percentile agility testing uh, at the combine. So like how much do you worry about that with his game? I mean, like pure speed has never really been his game. But, like, are you concerned that not only did he not run well at the Combine, but, like, the agility testing was so poor, too? Yes, the the agility thing predominantly. I, as you were talking, I pulled up his his RAS card to see, you know, with the, the Pro Day ones in there as well. He he pulled the, the overall RAS up a little bit, but still a four flat. So, you know, 40th percentile size adjusted. Better than the nightmare it came out after the Combine, because I think, like, coming out of the Combine, he was like, what, do you remember what it was, Pat? It was like 22nd percentile or something? Yeah. So for agility, I saw 8th percentile, but I'm not sure about overall like spark or, or uh, RAS. Oh, yes. So, yeah. Yeah. He he was able to swap out a, a couple of these numbers. He 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 ran uh, – the the four six five I think, came from Indy, but I think a couple of these these secondary ones he he got to swap out from the pro day. But, yeah, the 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 concern for sure is, is the agility thing because, you know, he got peppered with targets at Purdue – He's very good at the catch point. And like what, what you like about him is understands the game really well, like understands, you know, leveraging cornerbacks and stuff like that. And then at the catch point, he he shields guys out. He's very physical. He's, you know, he's not the the biggest, biggest guy, but he's, you know, 6'1", 212 and very well built. You know, play strength is, is, is a strength of his, you know, as far as 
uh, receiver goes. But the the concern you had is that he never, you know, like, you know, in contrast to what I was saying about Olave, that he sort of naturally gets separation. You got to see uh, David Bell's, you know, his, his very good receiving skill and his, his catch point skill, his contested catch skill, because a lot of times there was guys in his grill there. And the, the concern for these guys at, at the NFL level um, is, is that they're not going to create. I mean, if, if they weren't doing it in the Big Ten, now you go to the next level and it's, it's, it's going to get way harder. Um, that you're concerned about guys that are sort of led with their, their contested catch or their, their ball skills foot. Um, I I'm bullish enough in him as far as understanding how to play the, the position, the route running, understanding how to use his body and stuff like that. And, and I don't think he's completely disqualified with these testing, um, with, with this profile. Um, like I, I still think that you, whether it's late day two or whether it's early day three, um, that's probably where I would take the stab on him, but you're, you're looking at an NFL possession receiver that you're hoping can be your number two, uh, well, well, probably your number three receiver, but the uh, starting uh, secondary outside receiver. And then, you know, hopefully the number one guy for you is on the other side. And then hopefully you got a good slot receiver that's getting a lot of touches as well. In, in that sort of a thing, I think David Bell, when you can guarantee him single, uh, man, you know, single coverage on, on, on the one side where there's not going to be any help, I, I think that's a better uh, scenario for him going up against a number two a cornerback in the NFL. Cause I think at least the possession receiver parts of his game are, are they're going to translate, but you can't expect him to ever be like an explosive receiver, put up like enormous uh, uh, receiving yardage. I, I, I think it's, it, you're, you're looking at a chain mover possession guy as, as your number two. So. Let, let me, uh, let me ask you about some day three guys here, Thor, because uh, you know, we, we have, we have the first group, we have the second group. And like you said, um, maybe we don't have a CD Lamb or Jamar Chase at the front of this, but the top, the top guys are still very good. The secondary guys are way better than a normal class. So it's hard to separate these day three guys because there's so many good ones. I mean, um, you know, a guy I didn't mention that, that probably goes into day two is Alec Pierce. Because yep. Great testing numbers. He's a big dude. Um, but day three guys, Tyquan Thornton, Rant had yeah. uh, incredible numbers at the combine. Kevin Austin, another guy with crazy numbers T- to the point. It-, it got to the point where you thought, all right, is Charlie Cashley not running the, the, the timing here? Yeah. C- completely ruining the combine. Like, are we actually getting all these crazy RAS scores and spark and all that? Like, um, so those guys ran some great Something numbers. changed. Something changed. I mean, year over year. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was like, you know, th- this year, it, I, I one thing I saw where they crunched the numbers, it was it was five one hundredths of a second. Guys were in comparison to normal years, cutting it off of their their comp their combine times. Um, I, I mean, great and fine, but there there has to be an explanation outside of the fact that this class is appreciably more athletic than, than the classes before it. So, but anyway, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know they changed some of the testing times too. Some of those guys were going real late. Some of them were uh, a little more early, you know, it's just, Oh uh, yeah. And there were, there were some weird changes. So yes, the discrepancies between the, the initial unofficial times. And then what we saw later was, that was crazy. Was the crazy. I mean, by far the craziest of any year that, that like, I I feel confident in saying like, Modern times, the craziest for sure. Somebody tweeted out like, if Jamison Williams had ran, he would have ran a three nine in this uh, <laughs> in this because uh, the the times are so high. But those guys, Thornton, 
Austin, you can put Alec Pierce in there. Great times. Kyle Phillips uh, had, um, you know, a, a great Shrine Bowl. Um, you know, Wandell Robinson is a guy out of, out of Kentucky uh, that that I, I've always kind of liked. I know there's some buzz for Romeo Dubs. Velas Jones ran a great time. Charleston Rambo finally had production getting out of Oklahoma and going to Miami. Um, how do you separate these day three guys, obviously, you know, the draft will tell us where NFL teams are evaluating them. Uh, and, and there'll be, they'll all have way different value than they do pre-draft, of course, in terms of fantasy, but who are some guys that you're in on as far as day three dart throws? Yeah. A lot of names there. I mean, we could even go through them individually if you want, but like I, Bogman, I'm with you on Wandale Robinson. Um, yeah. He, uh, Pat didn't, didn't zing me with Wandale, but he definitely could have because Wandale lit up <laughs> Iowa, both at Nebraska in 2020 and this past right, year. Twice. And this is what really ticked me. Well, this is our boy, Nick Allen. You know, we both know Nick Allen, CFP winning edge yeah. uh, guy. He, this is his favorite player uh, is Wandale Robinson. Oh, one of his favorites for sure. So. Yeah. I mean, that, that's actually, I, it, it's notable because Nick Allen's a savage. I, I know. Yeah. I mean, Nick, Nick Allen does the work, watches the games, and has a a, a better understanding of, of just about anyone than you know what the numbers, his, yeah. his analytics and stuff like that. So it, it, it's always notable when a guy that that is is that zeroed in on on a subject, a, a guy stands out to him. But Wandale Robinson was the only reason that Iowa lost their bowl game this past year. They they were <laughs> playing Kentucky. We were playing our old nemesis, uh, Wandale Robinson, and he. I mean, he was. He single-handedly beat Iowa without Wandale Robinson. Kentucky doesn't win that game. They barely can move on offense. Wandale Robinson was the one guy that was overcoming Iowa's defense, and he did it just enough to, to sort of you know pull Kentucky by in this this low-scoring game. He's he's I mean he he's going to be a slot for sure. But I, I think yeah. like in in people's heads, you know whether it was you know, him being a little bit under the radar in, you know, playing with Adrian Martinez and, uh, you know, Scott Frost initial, you know, uh, whatever he was trying to do on, on offense there <laughs> wasn't a great situation. And then, you know, th this past season, you know, I don't know how many people caught, you know, Wandale with, with Kentucky or whatever, but um, you know, if, if you conflate him or you, you think about the last Kentucky guy that came out of this slot and you start to conflate him with, with Lynn Bowden, you're doing yourself a disservice because, Wandale is a better athlete than he is for sure. And he's also a smoother receiver than, than Lynn Bowden is. You, you can really pepper uh, Wandale Robinson with targets. He, and he's athletic enough too. I mean, he, he, he is definitely going to play as an NFL slot. The, the utility with him, it's not, it doesn't stretch way down the field. That's not what you're doing with him. So with, with Wandale, I'd want him on a team where my, my outside receivers can, can create that spacing downfield, you know, at least have one pop the top guy. And then another guy that can attack, you know, at least on the, the further stretches of the, the inter intermediate area, early shallow area that that will open up plenty of space for Wandale, particularly if you, if you have a tight end on the other side that, that can take away this seam. Like if, if Wandale Robinson is really difficult for nickel defenders to deal with in space, and he doesn't mind catching the ball, working around traffic uh, working, you know, getting hit right after he catches the ball, like, and he's very smooth once he he corrals that ball, pointing himself upfield and and starting to gobble up yards. So I I think Wandale Robinson is underrated um, coming from the context that he did of of, of both those offenses uh, coming into the NFL, and then the the fact that like you know, like I said, sort of the the tier he's in just so happens to be very crowded, and I think some of these other toys have been a little bit 
maybe shinier for some of us draft folks to, <laughs> to sort of talk about and stuff like that. But um, Wando Robinson is he's so consistent um, and, and you know that he's going to catch a, a crap ton of balls every year in, in the NFL um, that, you know, I, I wanted to give him the thumbs up and, and tell you I'm on the same page with him too. Uh, all right. I mean, Pat, pick, pick some guys out of here because I'm having trouble that there's so many good wide receivers in this class. Is there someone you want to ask about or like maybe a process thing you want to ask Thor about here? There's a process thing, Thor. I'm kind of curious about like, a, there are certain guys who are tough evaluations for you, I'm sure, because the quarterback play is so bad. Like you just talked about Wandale at Nebraska and everything. And we've seen guys like DJ Moore, although DJ Moore was pretty unanimously highly regarded when he came out. But um, Josh Palmer was kind of a guy like that last year Debo. coming out of Tennessee. Debo. Yeah. Is there, is there anyone who kind of fits in this class who maybe someone you like, despite the, the terrible quarterbacking they've seen over their career? How dare you cast aspersions against Jared Guarantano as a drive-by <laughs> during the setup for that question, Pat? Um, yeah, yes. The an- the answer is for sure yes. And you know, like the um, the the broader point I would make is I I once asked I I have a colleague I work. Do you guys know the name Chris Crawford that yes. I work with? Yeah. Um, so Crawford, he's done a little bit of work with us on, on the college football side, but mostly he's a baseball writer. That's, that's what he predominantly does and predominantly with prospects. So I've had a couple conversations with him, um, over the telephone talking about process and the differences between the two. And my initial supposition was it was way harder to scout baseball. Like, cause to me, that seems like you know, like, like, like me having to start a life. If you, if you, if I walked off of a spaceship, right. Like, (laughs) like, how would you, how would you even start, you know, sort of a thing. And so like, for me, it seems like trigonometry, but um, Crawford who has a little bit of experience doing it with football, not, not nearly as much, but enough. um, He said it's way easier to scout baseball because the, the, the difference is baseball is a, an individual sport masquerading as a team sport. Whereas Football, it, it is such a, a team sport that it, it's difficult to unspool one from the uh, other. Thor, we talked about this last week because uh, I, I was talking about how I don't like ranking prospects for fantasy until they're drafted. Yeah, because context means so much sure does. in that scenario. Yeah, and um, you know, and baseball because th- this is the difference between the Welsh and I over it in this league. The Welsh does the minor league prospect listings. Like, why don't you just throw up some rankings for some of these draft prospects? I'm like, well, my ranking could be completely different after the draft for ter- in terms of fantasy than it is before. Because if I have a great guy, like I love Jalen Tolbert, but if he lands you know, uh, somewhere where they're already great. If he lands in Dallas and he's behind a bunch of wide receivers and Dalton Schultz at tight end, his value is way different than if he lands in Chicago or with the Chargers where he can go be a slot guy. You know, it's just so different no matter where you land. So this is a great question, Pat. Yes, yeah, so was is there anyone like that for you in this class, Thor, like who was handicapped by bad quarterbacking? Yes, the the biggest one that that jumps out to me, and he's he's one of my favorite uh, day three sleepers in this class, is Bo Melton from from Rutgers. I I think if Bo Melton had played at let, let's say Alabama or you know like one of these other you know Oklahoma a, a school like that, um, he he would have been um, on all American teams. Like that's that's the kind of you saying he's better than Slade Bolden. He is way better than Slade Bolden. He is way better than Slade Bolden. I, I thought it was funny that Slade Bolden declared for the draft. But anyway, that's, that, that, that's a story for another one. Uh, yeah, Slade Bolden had a heat check on himself on that one. But um, yeah, I mean, um, 
Wait, who, who are we just talking about? Yeah, Bull Mountain, Bull Mountain. Oh, Bull, Bull, Bull Mountain, yeah. <laughs> um, like, you know, for people that that look into some of the the advanced stats or, you know, just were able to watch his, the, 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 the fleshed out versions of his routes on, you know, on every single play. First of all, in the latter, you, he, he's another guy that just naturally creates separation. Um, he's, he's got ridiculously, well, the way I'll put it is he's got lightning in his feet, like right off of the snap. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's very, very kinetic. It's hard for, for defenders to even stay with. Um, and, and he changes direction so quickly, you know, he, he can just do a little, you know, move and, you know, you know, it's sort of like the, the soccer kicker on penalty kicks where the goalie dives the wrong way. Like sometimes it's like that with him. It, he, he can keep you off a uh, balance because his feet are just so good. And then he's so damn quick um, and he has, he has speed as well, but like the short area quickness and the agility um, it, as far as being a, a route runner and, and then the footwork, the ability to make some of these hard cuts, um, you know, and then sink into routes and come back like like stuff like that. He's got the, the tools for all of it. We've seen it on film. It's just he didn't have the quarterback, wasn't playing in the system, didn't have the surrounding talent to consistently get him the ball. So you could see the rest of it because he's also pretty dang good ap- after the catch um, because he's so smooth and athletic. Um but he, when you look into the, the advanced numbers as well, you can see the manifestation of this where he was Rutgers' leading receiver for the last three years, the last two of which he doubled up or more the number two receiver. And and people, like, I, I would point back to, to why this is important. Like, the um, for in, like coming to you guys from Minneapolis, I was too low on, on Justin Jefferson coming out. A lot of people were too low on him. Uh, coming out what one of the the reasons that that folks were lower on him was the idea that he might not be able to win consistently on the outside in the nfl because that one year when he had super duper dominated and had the ridiculous stats in 2019 um as you guys know he had been moved into the slot because they had the two stud young kids on the outside jamar chase and and terrace marshall um and that's you know jefferson dominating there but you go you look at the previous season when Jefferson was on the outside and they, they were, you know, it was the last year where it's like the vestiges of like the old less miles, you know, old school type type offense or whatever. Jefferson that year doubled up the number two receiver. Like he was the dude and he was beating people on the outside. He had, he had a very high t- uh, market share of LSU's, um, you know, production and everything. It's just the overall numbers didn't look as good because of the quarterback and, the, and well, it was the same quarterback, but because of the, the situation um, that played Burroughs game down and, and he didn't get as many touches. But I think looking at the market share for some of those guys where your eyes are telling you, you know, some, something sort of different, you can sort of, um, that can sort of uh, line it up. And for all those reasons, and plus he, he tested well, um, I'm, I'm really bullish on, on Bo Melton. I, I would be sitting dead right on him if I needed a receiver and we got to, to day three. For time constraints here, I'm gonna burn through a couple names, and you can just say in or out. And if you want, if you want to throw in uh, some mustard on it, go ahead. But we're just gonna burn through these so we can get to the tight ends before the show's over here. Tyquan Thornton for Baylor. Oh, I, I like Tyquan Thornton. Oh, if, if I'm allowed, I, I'm in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's 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 very specific as he's gonna be a number two receiver in the NFL, and he's he's like he's like um. Uh, uh, NFL fans that, you know, going back a little bit, uh, people that are my age or older, I, I guess I'll say <laughs> he, you can think of like, like Elvin Harper, right? Remember on those oh, offenses, Alvin like Harper, yeah. Elvin Harper was just used to shove the defense back to take more guys out of the box and to make sure that you couldn't always double team, you know, for instance, Irvin or whatever, and provide more, you know, spacing for Novacek too, like on the, you know, intermediate level, stuff like that. The, the, if you need a number two pop the top guy, I, I think Tyquan Thornton's your guy, but, but prior to last season, 
Um, it, it's so going back to the context thing. Uh, prior to last, and George Pickens had a had a context issue at quarterback when he came back th- this past season. But in in in, in Thornton's case. Prior prior to the, this past season, he was playing with this noodle arm quarterback Charlie Brewer, who's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, he's he, he, you know analogous to, to Clifford or, or Brock Purdy in, in in this class, I suppose. That they just can't get the ball reliably beyond twenty five yards. It's an adventure yeah. anytime it goes beyond beyond twenty five yards. Tyquan Thornton's whole game, his trump card is beating you downfield. and then he can make the play downfield, as we saw when Jerry Bohannon took over, and yeah. Bohannon has. Bohannon has a lot of warts. I'm, I'm not sure that we'll be talking about him as an NFL prospect when he comes out, but he can get the ball down the field. And so got an arm. He, yeah. he's got an arm. And so Thornton just took over some of these games, you know, when Baylor, you know, last year, Baylor was awesome. Um, their defense was awesome. And then the, the, what their offense, it was, it was grinding the, the early yards with Smith, but the, like Smith could not have done that. If they, if the opposing teams were able to get up in the box, the reason you could not do that was because Taekwon Thornton was so dangerous on the outside. And then he went to, to uh, Indianapolis and proved the speed. So th- th- thumbs up on him as well. How, how about uh, Kevin Austin from Notre Dame? Kevin Austin, he, the reason he he concerns me is just because I didn't see that testing on the field. I, yeah, I didn't think he was as, as, yeah as athletic. He didn't take games over with his athleticism. He wasn't um, like there's some guys that are are so athletic on certain reps that you know they'll just dominate. You know, like like it, no one can stop him from scoring a touchdown on the, on the other side. If they're a corner. They just erase a guy. Like take away his will to sort of finish the rep. But I I, I didn't sort of see that ascendance of it with with Austin. We, we've seen some guys that are, you know, very, very athletic that, that over their college careers, we didn't see the manifestations of it as much on the field um, going to the NFL. I, I think, you know, more often than not, it, it's just an issue of they they're more track athletes as far as that goes. And they train really well for the event than than the things on the field. But I, I think at least with the testing profile, you have to tick them up a little bit. Even if you were low on him going in, you, you just have to because you can't count athletic testing twice. But if you didn't count it the first time around, you, you got to count it. And so I, I'm not going to go all the way with that into my evaluation um, because I don't think it manifests 100% on the field. But I'm certainly toggling that aspect of his evaluation up. And, and it, by definition, that that increases the value a bit. Any other wide receivers you want to ask Thor about here, uh, Pat, or should we go to tight ends? Let me just circle back to tier one real quick with you, Thor, and one guy. And sure. um, this is going to sound blasphemous to a lot of people, I think, because this guy's regarded as one of the top guys in the class and averaged 11 catches a game in his final year at USC, Drake London. So we know he is a guy who wins uh, with contested catches. He's great at high pointing the ball, at walling off defenders, at, at doing all that and not an elite speed guy and not an elite separator we know he's this somewhere is, between mike evans and nikhil yeah, harry and yeah. and that's the thing like that's we we have seen this from like these pack 10 receivers before like so how do we know that this guy is going to be michael Pittman or better and not another nikhil harry or jj arthago whiteside pat dating himself with the pack 10 reference right? <laughs> <laughs> oh pack 12 i'm sorry my goodness I'm just happy you didn't also evoke Hakeem Butler, who is one of my my yeah, the heartbreaks yeah. <laughs> evaluations for me over the last couple of years. But I mean, you know, I learned I learned a lesson with with Hakeem Butler and and you know some of these you know guys coming in where uh, you know with with you know se- separation or guys that were led with their their contested you know catch um, ability or whatever. With London, um, I, again, I I, th- I think um, points well taken. The 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 two things that I would point to that 
sort of transcends him a bit above some of those other guys in that phylum where even though I'm sort of pessimistic on guys that are led by the, the contested catch for the ball skill thing, where not that I give him a pass, I'm not saying that at all, but like where I think he's on the way upper echelons of it for, for two reasons. Uh, well, I, I'll actually say three. Number one, he's built well. Um, he's, you know, I, I think it was, he measured in just a shade under six, four, but um, which, which was a little bit, <clears throat> was an inch or two lower than he was listed, I believe at USC, but he, his wingspan is that of a six, six guy. And you see every inch of that manifest on the field and he can also get up there. Um, and, 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 and then this brings me to my, my second point of the ball skills being like ridiculous, like, you know, even for the ball skill balls, the downfield ball skill guys in the same exact same phylum as him, his ball skills stand out above those guys over the last five years. I I've been doing the, <clears throat> the draft stuff specifically the rankings, like without longer than that. So I'll, I'll just say up till then, um, th- these last five years, I, I would put his ball skills at the top amongst these guys that, that we're talking about. And the other thing is, so with with the agility, that's the one part that I'm I like I'm not going to say that I, I I think he lacks it, but like where it's sort of just a gray area on his evaluation for me right now. But I'm more bullish on his speed than I think a lot of people. Um, first of all, I, I've seen it on the field. Um, like he, I mean, he's not. Don't get me wrong. He's not Christian Watson fast. He's not. Uh, Garrett Wilson fast. He's not Olave fast. He's not Malik Willis fast, but like, um, that, that he's, you know, fast on the field for a, a player, his type. I, I think he ran, I, I saw, um, a, um, what was it? Uh, um, an analytics, uh, Twitter feed that they have put out his, uh, top, his top speed from a high school game. It was like, but did one of you guys see the, his, his, his miles per hour speed on the field? Have you seen any of the, I, the, I didn't the, see it. What was okay. it in, it in was the like, low twenties there? It was like 22, 20, it might've even been 20, it, but it, it was 22 is probably, probably correct. I, I would be, if, if I had longer, I, I'd be able to pull the thing up, but this was in high school and that uh, at least according to this guy's in, in, or this, this company's analytics, um, it was 87th. He was 87th percentile in terms of uh, top speed. You would think that that would be in relation to college guys if it was in the low 20s, but that wasn't, or, or maybe even, you know, NFL, I, I don't know, but that wasn't specifically referenced, but the, the clip was from uh, high school. He can run in a straight line for sure. Um, and, and like I said, he can get up and then he, he, he has the, the catch rate, you know, as I put it, he has the catch radius of an Indian God and he's catching anything <laughs> that, that you get within it. So he, he, he's just such a weapon downfield. And I would love to see him on a team, for instance, the Buffalo Bills, because Josh Allen's got that, that world-class bazooka. And with, with Drake London, you cannot defend him one-on-one downfield. There's, there's not a corner in the NFL that I trust going up one-on-one with him. So you almost need help on Drake London's side of the field at all times when he's going to you know push it past the, the safety level or whatever. So that's the one thing you got. Think about the manifestation of the spacing for every other player. Again, going back, fo- football is a game of one guy helps the other guy. You know, everything is interconnected or whatever. You put him on that team. Now on the other side, Stefan Diggs, it's really difficult to double team Stefan Diggs or, or roll coverage at him on every single play, right? And so now he has more spacing. Now your your slot receiver has more spacing. Now you they can't gang up on, on your runner or, you know, Josh Allen as a runner, you're seeing more thinned out boxes. So I, I, I think that's the, the value that he brings to an NFL team. Let's talk about some tight ends here, Thor. And 
this class is okay. Like, there's a lot of fantasy options here, surprisingly. Yeah. The tight ends overall, I don't, there's nobody's going to go in day one. Uh, I think it's going to be a smattering of guys in day two, uh, which could be big. Uh, like, just seeing who jumps into this day two could be huge. But Trey McBride is, like, tier one kind of by himself, right? I I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 I think I, I think I evoked him earlier, you know, talking about, uh, you know, not so often you see this with tight ends, you see it more with, um, with, with receivers, as far as like in, in their, 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 on their college team, they're so much better than all the other options that their team invariably just, instead of sort of doing normal football plays, it's, it's more an ex like a, you know, intellectual exercise by the coach of just how can we force this guy, the ball as much as possible? Like, how can we, you know, manufacture touches for him as often as possible. And I mean, you saw this past season, like especially Colorado state just funneled all the, the touches that they could at, at, at Trey McBride, he lines up, he can, I mean, he can line up anywhere, you know, you, you can put him out wide, you can put him in the slot. Um, he can play in line. Um, you know, he, he's not going to be the, the sort of, uh, you know, you know, destroyer type uh, blocker or um, maybe effective against like the war daddy athletic trump card type uh, edge rushers, like the, the super duper long athletic speed guys, the speed of power guys. But um, he he gives effort as a blocker. Um, and, you know, I, I, I like it more in that that element is, you know, in space and stuff like that. And that's the other thing you can do is like the age backy stuff m- moving around. But he doesn't take stuff off the table with that. He, he at least provides an impediment and and gives effort. And then as a receiver, he's just really smooth. You know, I mean, like you saw these, these ducks that he was having to save, you know, last year with, <laughs> with the quarterback he was playing with. And, um, you know, I mean, like he was a marked man, you know, I, especially you'd see this in the red zone where the, you know, the few times that Colorado state got there, but you know, like they, they would just send, I mean, he was double teamed and or triple team. They, they were just like, you're not getting the ball inside the 20 because you guys can't really do anything else. And we know Adazio will, will kick field goals on fourth and one. So we're not letting McBride score the touchdown. Um, but like, you know, I mean, outside of that, you know, I mean, even against double teams, even, you know, around traffic with guys draped over his back, everything like that was, was just so reliable all, all season. I, I, I really like his hands smooth route runner. Um, he, he brings a lot to the table as a receiver. doesn't take a lot off the table with the other stuff. Pat, which tight ends do you want to uh, quiz throw on here? Because we are we are bumping up against it. But is there one that stands out to you that that you got to get uh, got to get Thor's opinion on? I mean, Jeremy Ruckert has always stood out to me. He's played in so many big games. We've seen a lot of him, uh, you know, in like the the biggest stages. Do you think he is going to be a quality receiving tight end in the NFL, Thor? My answer now is different than it would have been in early February, but before I went down to mobile, but I, I would say yes. Now, um, you know, he got to play a lot at Ohio state. He was never featured as a receiver. And so like, you know, I've talked in this, you know, during this hour about some of the players where he had questions with a specific thing on their athletic profile or whatever with Rucker, the question was exactly what, what you just asked. Right. Because, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, that Ohio, it, it wasn't just Olave and Wilson. It's also wide receiver one for next year, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and also Jameson Williams. And then, of course, you had, you know, you had dual threat quarterbacks. You had, you know, a stable of awesome running backs. And so Rucker just wasn't um, uh, uh, featured as much in, in underutilized in, for sure. Absolutely. Yes. And it, it was just like you don't have enough. You know, at a certain point, the balls run out. That's the reason that James like Jameson Williams didn't want to leave. Like he probably had a bunch of friends there and all that sort of stuff. But I played was playing for a good team, but like he needed those targets to show the NFL what he could do. That was the part of Ruckert's game that we didn't see as much. But 
the, the kid can block. He's versatile. You know, you can, you can do st- different stuff with him, moving him around. He, he can absolutely play in the inline. You know, th- there's a lot of guys in, in tight in tight ends in this class that are basically glorified big slots or, or actually they literally are just big slots. Um, whereas Rucker, you know, he, he's an inline guy and the, the receiving skill, um, I, I think people went back to the tape on it after Mobile because he showed, I mean, the, the best hands of maybe any pass catcher there, like this side of Christian Watson, like I'm certainly including the tight ends, but I'm also tossing in the receivers on that too. Um, you know, he, he was, he was running the solid routes, you know, not, you know, nothing, not, no sort of deep stuff, but like what was running routes and gaining separation short. And then he was bailing quarterbacks out, um, you know, with catchers both, you know, outside of his frame and then also off of the carpet. So I, I think he's got more skill with that um, than he was able to show in, in college because he, he didn't get, the opportunity you saw flashes of it you know when, when they toss in the ball but he was always you know every time that he was throwing the ball in college it was because the quarterback had finally gotten down to like the fourth or fifth option like that's you know that sort was sort of his lot um but you know i mean the only tight end that would have gotten balls playing at that that college here over the past several years would have been kyle pitts you know right. like outside of that it doesn't matter who your tight end is the receivers are so nasty you're going to throw them the ball so i i'm bullish on ruckert I, I i would say i think he's a sleeper now, uh, we probably only have one time for one more tight end, Thor. So, dealer's choice. Who is someone that you feel like uh, we're not talking about enough and could be an awesome fantasy option uh, coming up here, depending on landing spot? I would say a guy like is is the for you know as far as a, a receipt. I think people know about Dulcich and guys like that. So I'll, yeah. I'll go. I'll go just a little bit deeper. Uh, Jelani Woods from from Virginia. Um, he's very long, very smooth. He's athletic. Um, and, and the thing that he does that he was a Feldman freak, wasn't he? I, I, he might've been. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Very, very good athlete. And, and basically has the ideal build for, for what he is, which is a a seam stretcher, um, shows awesome hands down there. Very smooth, uh, catches the ball smooth. And then the, the thing I like about the tight end, like some of the tight ends, they, they have to like, that, you know, at least their momentum is impeded by, by the sort of the burden of having to catch the ball, you know, particularly when they're, they're on the move or whatever, it, you know, if not outright sort of turn around for it, but like um, Woods is one of those, those guys who can seamlessly pluck the ball, you know, even over his shoulder, like stuff like that. And then keep trucking downfield. He, he, he goes from being a receiver to a runner instantaneously, very fluidly. Um, I, I like him a lot. I, I know that he's going to be able to challenge the, the seam consistently in the NFL. And he's also going to be a, a red zone target as well. So by definition, I, I think he's a guy that fantasy owners need to keep their eye on. Thor, we did it, man. Thank you for joining us to cover wide receivers and tight ends. Remember, you can follow him on the Twitter at Thor KU. Please tell us what you have coming up, uh, what you're working on and what is in the future for you. Please let everyone know where they can find all that great work. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Thor KU and you can find my work at NBC sports edge. We're, um, I, I, I dropped a, a three round mock a couple of weeks ago. And then ever since then been going into my, my position rankings and, and starting to, to drop those finish the the quarterbacks. Um, the, the running backs are over the next two days. I'm actually going to be publishing one here in about 15 minutes after we get <laughs> off um, the first part of my running backs. The second part will be tomorrow and then receivers next tight ends, you know, and, and, and just sort of ramping up until, you know, I do the, you guys know, I do the Thor 500, you know, the week before the draft or whatever with 500 player big board with 500 comps. So it's always about, you know, sort of getting your, your scouting reports out there, finalizing your rankings, getting those out there in advance, and then sort sort of building up to that. So find me, find that stuff on NBC sports edge.
Awesome. Pat, look, I'm going to let you talk next week because you and I are going to be planting flags on uh, players that we like in this class. And it's going to be a lot of fun. But in the meantime, in between, where can uh, people find your stuff and what do you got coming up here? Yeah, uh, be sure to visit Fantasy Pros and look at our Dynasty Draft Kit, because if you're watching the show, you uh, are into fantasy. So you're going to want to check that out. And now we turn our attention to the NFL draft too. And, you know, while I may be spending a 10th of the amount of time on it, that Thor is, uh, we're going to have some good stuff there too. So, uh, you know, be sure to check out Thor's stuff and be sure to check out fantasy pros as well. Yeah. And for me, you know, I I will be hosting this show. Of course, I'll be on CFP winning edge with Nick and Xavier. Um, You can find all of my work with the Welsh, especially for all you seam heads, a lot of baseball going on. I'm flying into Phoenix for opening day uh, on Thursday. So that's going to be very, very exciting. And we have the NFL draft stuff. I mean, that's like on the plane and on my breaks, I'm working on draft stuff, but I'm there to watch some baseball. So it's going to be a fun week for me for sure. Uh, but remember you can follow all my work at Bogman sports on the Twitter, and we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening to the fantasy pros dynasty football podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fantasy pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.